This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode number 83. A little while back, I shared something that a mama had sent to me. She gave me permission, but it was a story about her 11-year-old and how she used the SEP method and the work that we've been talking about and doing in her everyday life with her 11-year-old. She gave us an anecdote about this. And guys, y'all loved it. I got so many messages about this. Like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So cool to see what this looks like as kids get older. Well, fast forward, this family came and stayed in our Airbnb. We own a duplex. We live downstairs and upstairs is an, an Airbnb. And the family came and stayed. And so I asked the 11-year-old if I could interview him in real life about what this looks like and what it's like to be a middle schooler today and how to balance technology and just social norms and all that jazz. And how emotion processing plays a role in all of this. I absolutely loved hanging out with this human. He is an amazing, amazing kiddo. And I'm so jazzed to share this podcast episode with you. Let's dive in together to what it looks like from the point of view of a middle schooler. Before we dive in, guys, Mama's Getaway Weekend tickets are on sale now. Tickets are selling and they're selling fast just like they did last time. I'm so, so grateful to all of you. I absolutely love showing up live with you to dive in deep to all these topics and to create tangible tools for you to take away to put into your everyday life. There are opportunities for us to chat, for you to ask questions. This year, we're going to have a panel of other experts that you get to ask your questions to, including my favorite occupational therapist, Lori, who's been on this podcast twice. Guys, I'm so, so pumped. If you want to join us, go snag your ticket now at mamasgetaway.com. Come join us in October in Gloucester, Massachusetts. We have people flying in from around the country for this. And I, y'all, I just can't even believe how amazing this village is. I love you guys so much and I'm so excited to hug you in real life. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to Voices of Your Village. 
a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, guys. Many of you saw the exchange with my friend Danielle about her emotionally intelligent 11-year-old and how she emotion coached him through a tough situation. She shared with Seed and So, and then we shared it uh, with her permission in our, in our Instagram and in our Facebook group. And so many people were like, oh my gosh, this mom is mom goals. This kid is like 11-year-old goals. And I couldn't agree anymore. I get to hang out with this 11-year-old today. He, so those of you who have tuned in for a little while, we have had kids on the podcast before and they are have been like five and under. So I'm really excited to be able to get a different perspective, a perspective we've never had on Voices of Your Village and to hear from this 11-year-old dude, Elijah. How are you, Elijah? Good, how are you? Doing great, thanks. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about you, what grade you're going into, all that jazz? Um, I am 11 years old, and I'm going to I'm going into middle school next year. I'm going to be in sixth grade, so we're changing schools, and it's going to be a whole new schedule. I'm going to be more independent, and we're actually going to have lockers in the hallway, which I'm excited for. That's awesome. Um, so, what's the age range at your new school? Like, what's the highest grade there? Um, the highest highest grade is eighth grade. So sixth, seventh, eighth all together this time. Mm-hmm. Cool. Do you feel nervous at all about being going from the oldest to the youngest? Kind of, but not really, because I have a friend that's in seventh, he's going into seventh grade. Um, he used to live in my street before we, before we moved, and also I'm going to be with uh, my other friends, so I'm not really that nervous, and the people, I'm not really worried about like getting bullied, because the people where I go to school, they're not really mean. That's awesome. You know what? I personally didn't experience any like, bullying growing up either. I don't know if anyone else from my school had maybe a different experience, but I gratefully did not have to experience that well even without like the bullying experience I I think so many people probably listening can look back on like middle school years and feel like that common narrative is like that's so hard to be a middle schooler and I think in so many ways it can be really hard there are so many different like physical and just social changes for myself I remember like I had my first boyfriend when I was in middle school and just like navigating that or like going, I would go to dances. And so things that were just like new or like joining teams for the first time in a different way that was like more competitive. For me, it was like learning how to navigate those hard feelings around like, what if I don't get picked for the team? Or what if I'm not a starter? Or what if this boy breaks up with me? Or whatever kind of was coming along, but it was a lot of like new social things along with like hormones that come up being a teenager. And I think it can be kind of gnarly and hard to do. Um, so thanks for hanging out with me to chat about it. I reached out to our village and asked parents like, do you have any questions that you would want to ask a middle schooler as they're like, going into a new school year? And one of the most common ones that I got was like, how do I help my child with all the social aspects? Kind of those things I was just mentioning of like, what if they go on a date? What if somebody turns them down? What if they're not invited to the birthday party? What if they don't get invited to the dance? Like, what are some things for you? I think the common 
fear for parents is we don't want kids to experience hard things, right? Because no one likes to see someone that they love feel sad or disappointed or frustrated or angry or scared. And even you, I've watched you with your little sister. Margot's how old? Like 18 months? somewhere. Yeah, she's almost one and a half. Oh, she's so cute. And I watched you with her, and you're such a sweet big brother. And I think there's even this desire with our littlest humans where we're like, we don't want them to fall down and get hurt, or we don't want them to feel sad or disappointed that they can't have the toy they want. And uh, I think it's a very natural thing, but ultimately in life, we're all going to experience hard things and feel disappointed and sad and frustrated and all that jazz. And so figuring out, like, what do you do when you're feeling that? Like, what are some tools you've developed that are helpful for you to tap into when you are feeling sad or disappointed? Well, for me, I usually like to go with screens. I like to play video games or go on my phone. Or sometimes I just listen to music and read, like, a Calvin and Hobbes book. And mm-hmm. tips that I have for, like, parents is just leave leave them alone for a little bit. Because I, whenever I'm mad, I don't really like anybody talking to me. I just like to be alone. So if you, if your kid ha- is, like, mad, I just recommend leave them alone for, like, half an hour or something. And then go talk to them. I love that. And you know what? Um, with our, like, youngest humans, we say, like, give them space. Sometimes you just need space, and it's the same as you get older. And there are some kids, like, Zach is a prime example of that. Like, Zach, if you talk to him when he's mad, just shuts down or, like, starts to fuel. And for me, like, I want to, I want a hug to feel calm. <laughs> we've been joking. So Elijah's family's staying in our Airbnb this week, and so we've been hanging out a lot. And his mom tunes into the podcast and all that jazz. And so she puts a lot of our emotion coaching into play. And we've been joking about the hugs to feel calm. Every time he gets a hug, he's like, oh, I feel so calm now. But that is really beneficial for me, like touch versus non-touch. And uh, the story that your mom had shared was about the um, uh, lemonade stand and the new friend didn't show up and that you were disappointed about it. And you wanted to play Minecraft. And what did she encourage you to do? Go do something physical. And I climbed the tree for like 15 minutes. Yeah. And the thing with this is that sometimes our inclination, screens can be a great distraction. But then what happens is we push that emotion right below the surface. And then it just like lives there, ready for another emotion to come in and like trigger it. And then it gets bigger and grows. And when we can do something like climb a tree or do something with your body, that is like physical movement or reading a book is another good one actually um coping strategies we call them for some people it's touch related like a hug um and sometimes you need that space but doing something with your body then helps you process the emotion and then when you were done climbing the tree did you want to play minecraft stuff yeah you did oh nice (laughs) nice um but at that point like once you're done climbing the tree it when you come back in and you're feeling calm, then it's fine to play and do the screens or whatever. But when we're using them as a distraction, we're really just like waiting for the emotions to blow up in a bigger way. Have you had to talk about hormones yet at school? Yes. You have? At the end of fifth grade. Was it so awkward? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to go over it again. <laughs> you, we don't have to go over it again. But I think that it is something for parents to also bear in mind that it's not the same as like being an adult and not going through hormone changes or I guess there are some adult hormonal changes but in a very different way than like 
as you like enter puberty and all that jazz. And for like girls out there, I remember one time in my life I had said to Zach, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I know I'm being really annoying and like grouchy. And I was like, I just am getting my period and I'm feeling really emotional. And he said to me, he was like, your body does more things every month than mine ever will. And A, that was very empathetic. And B, I think it's important to remember that for our girls, like not only is our body doing something crazy hormonally that's like different and such a change, but also they're literally like bleeding and having to navigate that. And that that is just really stressful to figure out as a kid. And what does that mean? And how do you navigate it? How do you go swimming? How do you go to gym class? Like what's everybody else's bodies doing around you? So for our parents of, of gals, I think that's something to bear in mind. And for our dudes that like, they may not be bleeding every month, but they're still going to go through hormone changes and bodily changes that we want to create a space where they can talk about it. Have you, has your mom ever talked to you about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like you have a relationship where if you have questions, you can ask her? Yeah. I think that's so important and so awesome. And and also for parents, it's often awkward. Like, and sometimes you just have to be awkward and you have to say, like, I know this might feel uncomfortable and I want to make sure that you know you can talk to me. I think a lot of us in our generation, like your mom's generation, didn't necessarily have that. And that it's important for a lot of us that we're giving kiddos that. So I think that's amazing that you have that with her. What about when you, like, don't get invited to the birthday party? Um, To be honest, I've never really had that situation happen because I only have, like, a group of, like, five close friends. Um, and there are two of us. We're just a group of three where we always, like, play video games together. And all all the friends I have are super close with me and they never really don't invite me to a party awesome. because I, I just, I don't know why I just don't really like having a whole group of friends that I don't really hang out with. I just like having a small, small group of people that I can trust. Wise beyond your years, my friend. I feel like I learned that in my late twenties. <laughs> Same. They waste your time. It's true. <laughs> what about like other people Say, like, you're at a gathering or you're hanging out with friends and somebody else doesn't have strong emotion processing and they're getting really angry about something or they're being rude to someone else, even if it's not to you, but to somebody else because maybe they feel left out or they feel disappointed and they don't know what else to do with that. What do you do in that situation? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and, frankly, so hard. I love what I do, and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out, and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much, and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Honestly, I've never really, I can't remember a situation where where that has happened to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really sure what I would do. But I remember in kindergarten, there was like this one kid that was crying and I called him a crybaby, and then I just got in trouble. They put me in, like, a red zone or something, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the only time I can remember. Yeah. But what if you were, like, hanging out, especially at this new school where there will be, like, people you don't know, and say your group of friends is, like, I don't know, hanging out in class or in lunch or whatever, and somebody else says something rude to one of your friends? I don't really know what I'd do. I'd probably go talk to them or talk to a teacher or just talk to my friend and say that they don't matter and that they're useless in his life. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Very sweet. I think like one thing that I wish I would have learned younger is like when other people are being rude, it's usually their own stuff, right? Like it's that they felt left out. And so then they decided to like, they wanted to feel powerful. So they made some fun of somebody else to try and feel powerful or that they were having a hard emotion they didn't know what to do with and so they wanted I think it's usually coming back to power or control because that can make us feel like okay we can do this it's okay like it can this is temporary like making you feel better even though it doesn't actually make you feel better and I think it's really important that people like you who have this awareness are able to then like kind of step in and support those who might not have this awareness, right? That you can say, not necessarily to the person who's being rude or bullying, but to your friend, like, hey man, I know that really sucked to hear that. And I want you to know that like, I don't feel that way about you. And I think that guy was just being really rude. And I don't think it's about you or whatever. Like, I, I think it's really important to have people around us who will stand up with us. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm screens you've talked about playing video games and that you love it and i think they're also very fun i grew up playing n64 mario kart i don't know if you've ever entered that little throwback i'll play mario kart i had it on my 3ds a while ago i don't even know what a 3ds is it's like a little nintendo it's like a game boy but it's um it can go in 3d i never use it because it's like bad resolution or whatever yeah um but it's pretty much just like a little handheld nintendo okay thing and i brought i actually brought it with me Oh, so I, upstairs. Um, I, pl- I played Mario Kart on that a little bit, but I never really liked that game because I was always bad at it. <laughs> and the 3DS wasn't easy to play games on. 
other than like Donkey Kong and Luigi's Haunted Mansion. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, well, I had a Nintendo 64 growing up and loved that. But we didn't grow up, like my generation didn't grow up with screens in the same way that you guys are, right? Like I had dial-up internet, right? So it would be like... Yeah. <laughs> and if somebody called the house at the same time you were trying to get on the internet, it kicked you off the internet, right? Like you didn't have access all the time and there wasn't... I guess this ability to um, be on a screen all the time. Our phones didn't have it, things like that. So now I think, and I think right now adults are trying to figure out like, what does this mean for our kids and how do we make sure it's not damaging? But I'd love to hear from your perspective. Like, do you feel like it changes your personal connection to like sit next to somebody and have a conversation versus playing a video game where they're at their house and you're at your house, but you're hanging, you do like the hangout or whatever situation, right? Yeah. You explained this to me the other day where you Mm -hmm. can like play video games at your respective houses, Mm -hmm. but like with each other. Yeah. Do you think that it changes the connection if you're doing that versus if you're in person with somebody and you can like see their face and interact with them in that way? I think it does change the connection, but in kind of a good way with like with me and my friends, and um, I don't get to see them all the time, other than in school. Uh-huh. And we and in school we only get like an hour to talk. And when I go over to my friend's house for a sleepover, we usually just play video games there and then talk. So it's whenever I um, hang out with them, we're either like eating lunch or playing on the playground, or we're playing video games and having that connection from home. I feel like it's a great way to connect with your friends. And actually, my dad that lives far away from where I live. I play video games with him sometimes, too, because he has a PlayStation as well. So we get to interact with each other, even though he lives far away. And I that's nice. So That is cool. That's a cool way to look at it, yeah. And I think, like, also in that same vein, I guess, like, my own, like, adult fear is that we will choose to play in separate houses versus, like, hanging out in real life. Do you feel like you have both or that you... Yeah, I want to hear your perspective there. With my friends, I definitely feel like I have both, but sometimes mm-hmm. I can't go to my friend's house, like if it's a school night or um, I can't get dropped off or picked up and it's just not working out. I get to play with my friends from our from like where I live, but if we have the opportunity, most of the time I like to hang out with my friends in person because then I can actually see them and talk to them like, yeah. if I haven't seen them in a while. Cool. Nice. And I actually think it helps having um the internet with your friends um because you can connect to them and talk with them even when you can't talk to them in person totally i totally agree do you use instagram or any like social apps yeah i use instagram you use instagram um what are your thoughts and feelings on it um i personally do like instagram because like i can i just look at memes on Instagram and I follow some of my friends and when something cool happens in their life I like to look at their pictures and I don't really see much problems with Instagram because that's usually just like when you're bored you can go on it for like 15 minutes yeah or longer than that if you want to but yeah do have you ever had anyone say anything rude to you over the internet that they wouldn't say to your face um I think I have but I can't remember what they said Uh I do remember the one time I did 
someone said someone said something mean to me, but I just don't remember it. Yeah. I think that, like, again, to tell you my share my big adult fears, is that it's easier to say something over the computer to somebody that's really rude than it is to, like, look at somebody's face and say, I think you're dumb, right? Like, mm. I think the feelings that you have inside, like, if I stared at your face and said, Elijah, I think you're dumb, like, inside, right now we're laughing because it seems very silly, but inside it would, like, hurt my heart to say that, and I wouldn't feel good about myself if I said that, but I think it's easier to, like, type and not feel that empathy or that connection for, with someone when you're typing it into Instagram or into a social app, and so I guess my fear is that, like, there's more opportunity for bullying or even focusing on like, oh, I posted this picture. How many likes did it get? Or how many comments did it get? And am I looking at that to see like how cool I feel? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I'm afraid of like what that will mean for being a kid today. I feel like I, when, I, when someone says something mean to me, I just don't really think about it because I don't know them. I don't care about them. Like, they don't mean anything to me. If it was one of my friends that said something mean, then I would talk to them and I would be mad. But yeah. if I don't know them at all and it's just someone that's commenting on something, I wouldn't really care that much. And I think other kids also think that. I, or I think my friends do. But that, that's just what I think. I think that that's huge. And I think it's so hard to feel that way. I think partially for me, like, there are some things that I, like, might feel already insecure about. Or, like, don't love about myself. And then when somebody else says it, again, usually, like, on the internet, I think it's easier. Then it just, like, if I already think that about myself, then it just makes it worse that now somebody else is saying it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Are you nervous about anything, like, entering into middle school? Not really. No. No? Wow. Well, I'm, I'm just nervous about, like, the new teachers and stuff and... I'm worried about, like, mean teachers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Have you had any in the past? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you do? Um, I, I, I kind of forget. I just, I guess I just got mad and got over it. Yeah. Did you, in the past, when you've had teachers, like, you've had that one teacher for everything? Or have you switched classes or switched, like, subjects um, before? We may have, we have one teacher for most stuff but there are also other situations where um we had different teachers so it's kind of both but there's but there's one teacher that I have for probably about 75% of the day and then um the rest is a different teacher do you feel like there's pressure for you to like get certain grades or do well in school to like I don't know for tests or anything like that not really for me. I don't worry about tests. I feel like there are so many people that are so nervous about tests and studying, and it doesn't even. I don't even does it or it doesn't really matter to me that I get good grades. And like for tests, it doesn't matter how hard I study. I always get the same grade, and usually that's a good one. And I don't really. I don't really need to study. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I probably will in the future, but. In fifth grade, I didn't really need to study because I just got the same score no matter what, and I just don't feel that kind of stress. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from, that you don't feel it and other people might feel it? Um, I don't know. Maybe they're harder on themselves. I know there was this one girl that we I got put into like a special 
like I got I did good in reading and writing, mm-hmm. so I got put into a special class. And there was this other girl in that class. She was a great writer, but she just wasn't ever confident about herself and didn't think that she could that she was a good writer. Yeah, I wonder I wonder how much of that is like the way you were raised or like what you hear at home about how great you are. Or when you come to our Airbnb and the entire time, I'm just like, Elijah, I love you. I think you're great. So like what you're hearing from other people versus like, and how that then fosters like a confidence. Like I wonder, yeah, I guess I wonder where that comes from. I think it's awesome. And also in those situations, like for the girl in the class who you think is a great writer, who isn't confident in it, like how do we then as peers support her or reinforce any sort of positive Um, feelings about herself? Well, when we were in that, like, small group, it was, like, probably five people. Mm -hmm. When she didn't think that hers was good and she read it and it was better than anybody else's in the class, we just, like, everybody told her that it was great and that she should be more confident about herself. Mm -hmm. And I guess that would probably help. Yeah. That would help me. Totally. I think so, too. I think... Just, like, hearing it, man. Like, I actually, there was, I was at a conference for teachers, and I, this person who did research on kids was there, and she has a book about empathy and how do we, like, build empathy in kids. And she was sharing this story that, like, really sat in my heart and has stayed with me about this little boy. He was six years old, and he was in foster care. Do you know what that means? Mm -hmm. And he'd been in different families, like, his whole life. And long story short, he was holding this baby in this classroom, and um, he asked that he the baby started to cry, and he rocked her, and she calmed down, and he asked the teacher, if nobody ever loved you, do you think you could be a good dad someday? Mm-hmm. And Right? Doesn't it hurt your heart? It's so sad. It's so sad, and uh, but such a good reminder to me that, like, so often I think we don't say the positive things because we think we've said it enough, right? Like we think we've told our loved ones that we love them enough or um, or we just expect them to do certain things. Like when Zach does the dishes, I work really hard to like try to be mindful and say like, thank you so much for doing those dishes or you were painting with us. Like a lot of our interactions are like, hey, thanks for doing this little thing for me. Thanks for doing that little thing for me. Just to try and be mindful of when people are doing nice things so that we're acknowledging them. And I think so often we don't acknowledge them because we assume people know. Like the little girl who is an awesome writer, we're like, okay, obviously she's a great writer and she got into this group and she wrote this thing that was so good. Like she must know she's a great writer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think so often like, we don't say it because we assume people know. And I think it's really important to just say it. And for parents to know, like, it's so important to say to our kiddos, like, I'm really proud of you. I know that going into this new school might be a little scary or that um, there are new teachers, new friends, new classrooms, new structures, new routines, right? Like, and I'm really proud of you for asking for help, for taking time for yourself to take space to do things that fill you up when you're feeling overwhelmed or just acknowledging from a parent perspective when a kid is taking care of themselves and sometimes taking care of ourselves is saying, hey, I need help or hey, mom, this has been really hard for me. I'd really like to be able to have a therapist to talk to or something like that. Like I've been in therapy. I'm in therapy now and I love therapists 
And I think that often we don't give kids access to things like therapy because we think that you have to be in such a bad place to go to it or that it's, um, there's like a negative thing I think sometimes associated with it. And I want to say like, man, I'm so proud of you for asking for help. Like, yeah, dude, if you need someone to talk to, like you, we can for sure make that happen or whatever it is. Um, but really acknowledging when kids are doing things that are positive for their character and not just like, wow, I'm really proud of you for getting an A. Like, I'm so proud of you for working so hard. I know that that subject was really hard for you and that you went and asked the teacher for extra help so you could learn in a different way or whatever it is that like, I'm proud of you is the message I wanna be sending. Um, and for parents to remember that like, we have to say it. Kids don't just know it about themselves. Mm-hmm. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. And for me, it also, when people say, like, good job doing this, it doesn't really mean much to me. But when people say, like, I'm really proud of you, that definitely makes me super happy. And that makes me feel proud of myself, too. Yeah, same for me as an adult, too. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that's such a good point. What feels exciting to you as you're going into middle school? Um, I'm excited to be switching classes and being more independent and having a locker by myself. And also, last year, I didn't really get into um, any classes with most of my friends. I got into a class with one of my best friends, but that was really it. So I'm excited to have the opportunity for to like interact with more of my friends. Awesome. What is something that's like scary or hard that you're working on right now? So for me, I always look at it as like, all right, what do I feel like I'm crushing? What am I doing really well at right now? What am I excited about in life? And then also like, what am I working on? So every day, actually this notebook right here, I write down five things that I'm grateful for, 
each day and then 10 goals that I'm trying to make happen, right? So sometimes one of mine right now is that like, I respond with empathy is one of my goals, that when I hear about somebody that my reaction can start to be empathetic so that I can think of myself in their shoes or how it might feel to be them. That like, it is not something I'm perfect at. I think especially with Zach, which I think is ironic maybe because he's the one I love the most and it's sometimes the hardest to have empathy for him. And so like, I'll give you an example. When he is sick, I'm often like, oh my gosh, you're fine. (laughs) I don't have a lot of compassion or empathy. And I've been working really hard on like trying to recognize when I'm not feeling empathetic and ask myself like, what's the root of this? Why aren't you feeling empathy for him when he's sick? And um, then be able to like get to a place where I can respond with empathy. So like that's something that I'm working on right now. Another one, I fear, everybody has one emotion usually that's the hardest to process. For some people, it's like anger, sadness, frustration, mine's fear, that I, it's the hardest one for me to process. When I feel scared, um, my reaction, I have to like really work to respond instead of react, to like be mindful and have a response instead of reacting in the moment. And I've done a lot of work in therapy. I've done a lot of work outside of therapy on like how to start to notice it when I'm starting to feel scared or to know what are some situations I might feel scared in so that I know kind of like looking ahead, kind of prepping myself for it. Uh, what can I do in that moment? So that's something that like I feel like I'm always working on is like how can I help myself like respond to fear rather than react to it? So what do you feel like right now in life is like a scary or hard thing that you're working on? Um, I mean, I'm trying to earn money. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You have a very entrepreneurial spirit and I love it. (laughs) um, I feel like for me, the emotion I have a hard time processing is anger. Yeah. Like, like, I don't really, I can't really, I, I don't really know. I just have a hard time processing anger. Yeah, I think it's really common. And a lot of people, you know what, there's actually some interesting research around boys in anger because a lot of times when kids are little, like younger, like Margot's age, what we've seen is that we will let girls can feel mad um, and sad and disappointed. And we can like let them feel all these things. And we acknowledge them specifically like sad, disappointed, left out, embarrassed. And that with boys, we often will acknowledge the anger and we won't let them feel sad or disappointed or embarrassed um, that we're like, be a man or suck it up or pull it together or like these phrases that we often apply to boys. And then what it usually comes out as down the road is anger because we haven't let them feel or taught them, what do you do when you're feeling like this isn't fair or I feel like I'm left out or I'm embarrassed. Those are common ones that we see specifically with boys that uh, that then comes out in like anger or frustration. And so I think it's really common and very important for us to be talking about societally about anger and boys and how do we support them. And I think a huge part of it is helping kiddos learn actually every human because there are adult men who also I think don't know what to do with anger because we never taught them is acknowledging like hey man a it's okay to feel mad 
B, like, it's okay to feel all the other things. It's okay to feel embarrassed. It's okay to feel left out. It's okay to feel frustrated. It's okay to feel like things aren't fair. And when you start to feel that way, what can you do in the moment to help your body feel calm so we can solve this problem together? Does that make sense? But I think first it's letting us as adults, or us as adults letting kids feel the thing. And then teaching them, when you start to feel that building, what you're going to do with it? Are there certain times that you feel like anger is harder for you? Like I was mentioning a few, but like embarrassment left out, things aren't fair. I'm trying to think. I feel like there are a couple more common ones. Those are the ones that are coming to mind. Do you, Are you asking me if I know any other ones? Like- well, like is there a route where you feel like you get, the, like you get really angry at one of those and... We call it trends or triggers, where, like, I'm going to use left Mm -hmm. out as an example. Like, if you feel left out, that would be a trigger for you, and you would feel angry in response. And is there a route for you that you feel like is most common where when you feel that thing, like, left out, embarrassed, this isn't fair, that then you feel like the anger is even harder to process? Um, I really just feel like when I do something bad even by by accident on a purpose and then I get punished for it like in you said um what can I do just to relieve this emotion so we can solve the problem there are times where if I have a punishment there's no getting out of that and I can't really Mm -hmm. do anything to solve the problem other than not do what I'm doing which makes me even more mad and just give me an example um, I know it's hard to think of on the spot. Actually, that's Zach's least favorite question that I ask because um, when I ask, he's always like, "Now I can't think of any examples." <laughs> um, like, yeah, no, I can't think of any. So I think, like, the way that I understood it is that, like, if you do something and then you get a punishment for it, then you're angry about the punishment. Yeah, then I'm angry about the punishment, and there's nothing I can do if it's a bad punishment. Um, then there's nothing I can do about it. And I just, and I can't solve the problem. That makes me more mad that I'm not going to be able to do this something for a long time. Yeah, totally. And I think like, so that also applies. And also my like emotional development question, my brain goes to what happened first for the punishment to happen, right? So like when we're looking back instead of like, oh, there's nothing I can do, I got a, I was a kid who didn't follow a lot of rules as a kid, <laughs> still as an adult. Like, if people set up rules, I'm like, great, I can't wait to break them. And so I have for sure had a bunch of experience with punishment. <laughs> and so, like, looking back, though, it's always like, all right, if I don't want to receive this punishment, what's the lesson that I'm learning? What is my parent or teacher trying to tell me? Is it that I can't leave my crap all over the house or I have to fold my laundry or um, that I'm not allowed to do whatever I want. (laughs) Like, I can't leave the house when they say I can't. Like, whatever the thing was that I got in trouble for first, uh, that is the key to then not having the punishment, right? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, So when we can look at it like that. But then, yeah, there are some things. Honestly, there's life's not fair, right? And so just like we were talking the other day about that kid who you said came from China and didn't speak any English and like life's just not fair, right? Like sometimes um, 
in life, like I feel like, oh, this is happening to me and nobody else. <laughs> um, I can get very dramatic very fast about it. And it's helpful for me to think of situations like that kiddo where I'm like, man, I've never had to be in that situation. Like that would be so hard. And to be able to find, again, empathy working on it where we can feel these things for other people and it can kind of put it into perspective for us. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to have a punishment you can't get out of. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, <laughs> I don't want to feel this. <laughs> and what are your go-tos right now for it? Um, maybe climbing the tree. Screen time. Yeah. Like playing video games. Yeah. And it's hard when the when the punishment is no video games. All right. Because that's what I go to. And also, yeah. to me, I don't really feel like that when I play video games, it builds up. I feel like that does relieve it for me. Mm-hmm. Of, like. If you're playing a video game that tends to get you kind of frustrated, mm-hmm. like in a game where you can lose a lot, it gets you so frustrated that you that you can't win. But like I play like in Minecraft when I play, um, like you don't lose, you just make progress, mm-hmm. and that that makes me more happy, and that kind of balances out my emotional state. Totally, I understand that. It's like a small win for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it. it, it it's not to say that video games or any screens um, don't make us feel better. They usually do make us feel temporarily better. What we're looking at when we, we call them coping mechanisms versus coping strategies, coping mechanisms, video games is one example, or, or screens in general. And then another would be like, if I feel a hard feeling and I'm like, I want to have a snack <laughs> because I'm feeling something and I want to eat. Or as people get over, older, like maybe having a glass of wine because you're having a hard feeling, things like that that we see. What we're seeing is like it'll temporarily make you feel better, but to process that emotion, like what your body goes through to actually move the cortisol that's in your body out and like disperse it and help your body genuinely feel calm. You know, I love those words, feel calm. There are other ways, we call them strategies, that you can support your body in doing this, like reading a book, climbing the tree, going for a run, writing, Zach as a kid turned to like art or drawing a lot. Like that was one of his go-tos, playing the drums, music, are all coping strategies. So those actually help you process. And then, yeah, play all the video games you want. What we're looking at here is that if when you have the hard feeling, if you turn to the screen, it'll make you temporarily feel better, but it doesn't actually help your body process the emotion. And that's like, that. that's where your mom crushed it when she was like go climb the tree or move your body and then you did and then you can play all the video games you want because then you're calm um and your body has already processed and yeah go ahead but that's the like difference there so what do you wish your teachers knew like if you were a middle school teacher or you could like say anything you wanted to a middle school teacher without giving any repercussions. There's no punishment. What would you? What do you wish that they knew as you were going into middle school? Um, I kind of wish they knew that I could get mad about things as well because I feel like there if if it's a like there's one teacher that would get like really mad like mad at me. Or like mad, not mad at me, but like mad at the whole class. Even if we like couldn't figure out a math problem or mm. we didn't understand something, she would get genuinely mad at the whole entire class. Mm. And like, I wish the people that do that or teachers that do that, I wish they felt that I feel mad when they get mad at me for no reason, and that I feel emotions too. 
Yeah, totally. Oh, I love that so much, Elijah. Uh, I love that so much. And what do you wish your parents knew? That I get mad also. (laughs) Also that you get mad. Yeah, I, I think that's huge. And I think it's a huge lesson for parents and teachers that to be mindful of the fact that our kids are going to feel hard things no matter what we try to do to make it so that they never feel something hard. They are going to and the most beneficial thing we can do is let them know it's okay to feel it and that we're going to be there to support them. I love it. Thanks for hanging out with me, Elijah. You're welcome. Uh, is there anything else you want to tell our listeners? Or are you all set? I'm all set. Okay. Thanks, bud. Except for have a good day. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow colon Voices of Your Village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.